Welcome to this Encore episode of the Think Orphan podcast, where we're continually seeking to help you navigate the orphan crisis with experts from around the world. Well, as you can tell, it's just me this week uh, because Kelly and I are actually taking some much needed time with our families uh, to celebrate Thanksgiving here in the United States. And, you know, as we did that, we thought, what would be a great episode to kind of give you guys again um, from the archives from season one? And uh, we thought none other than Ruslan Malucha, who is the founder and the leader of the World Without Orphans movement. So, you know, I just am excited for you guys to hear this again. It's one that I've listened to a few times and learned something new every time from this guy who is doing some amazing things in all different parts of the world. It's not just Ukraine where he lives and where he started this movement, but it's in all kinds of countries all over the world. So here it goes. Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join our hosts, Phil Dark and Kelly Stewart. Welcome to episode eight of the Think Orphan podcast, where we seek to help you navigate the orphan crisis with experts from around the world. Phil, who are we talking with today? Yeah, I was able to sit down with Ruslan Malusha, and he is a man who will inspire. Um, that that I can guarantee. He um, started with what was a, a kind of a little idea that that became a big idea, and then it just became this crazy, um, as Jim Collins says, big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, and I'm not. I'm just gonna tease it with that. And you are in for a treat with Ruslan. And I was able to, um, again, technology is such a great thing because he is in the Ukraine and we were able to just have a great, great conversation. Absolutely. I can't wait for our listeners to hear from him. Let's get to it. Well, Ruslan, it's great to have you here today. Uh, It's great to be here, Phil. Thanks so much for the invitation. Yeah, it's great that you're coming all the way from the Ukraine, and uh, you are a, a true leader of an incredible movement um, uh, that we will get into today, and I look forward to hearing more about how that started and um, just how you got to you know, to the point where you were actually heading up a conference in Chiang Mai, Thailand as a man from the Ukraine. But before we get into that, just a little teaser for the for the folks listening in, um, just tell a little uh, brief version of your story and who you are. A lot of people that are hearing this uh, don't know you. Well, a uh, brief version is always not something that comes easy uh, answering a question like this. <laughs> uh, especially that, as I was thinking about this, it really goes back to when I was about 13 or 14, and somehow I got to the point when I was a believer already back then, and I decided that I really want to commit uh, my life to serving God. I had no idea what it meant. It was soon after Soviet Union collapsed, so it was just like this big idea, I want to do something meaningful. And then, so the short, short version would be, it set me on certain track that brought me eventually to a Bible college at the time when very few people knew what Bible college is and what people do after graduating. Then after that, I came to work. Uh, fortunately, there was actually a job for me after Bible college. I came to work on staff with a, uh, with a church here in Kiev. And uh, I mentioned all this to say that I thought I was set on what I will do in my life. So I was, I really was committed to serving God, preaching, teaching, and do all those things that I uh, considered important for uh, for the kingdom. 
And it was uh, through a series of events and different ex- experiences in life that God has uh, refocused my, uh, not I wouldn't just say my attention, my whole life and ministry toward this whole aspect, issue of uh, the fatherless and the orphan. It started with engaging uh, with street children. Back then there were thousands of children on the streets of Kyiv. Then it led me to uh, helping, again, completely unplanned, helping some American families actually, mm. to uh, with their adoption from Ukraine. And I I don't remember actually knowing the word when I was asked to do this, like what uh, somehow with like six or seven years of um, theological education never introduced me to even a concept of adoption, which I think it's quite odd now. Yeah. And so anyway, so uh, uh, there is a story that really impacted me during that time when I actually just watched how a family met or a couple met their child for the first time. So it took about three or four years for me to kind of notice that something is happening in my life that I never thought, I never kind of planned, uh, I never knew existed, but uh, I began to realize how important it is for God and to sense that, that there is something in it that might impact my life to a degree that I never thought. So that was the beginning of this again it took i'm a slow learner probably so it took god uh, quite quite a few years for me to see uh to see things at least to try to see things the way he sees it even in terms of what's important for kingdom and again i'm not saying that teaching and pre- i still i still like teaching and preaching i still mm-hmm. like that think that it's important stuff but for last 15 years uh, the main uh, i think the main calling i experienced in my life was in this area of of the fatherless and the church and whatever we can do as a community of believers to make a difference in the life of these children. So that's a very brief yeah. <laughs> version yeah. of an unexpected journey of someone who, who thought was set on track and then I, I think it's, it often happens. God had slightly or maybe not so slightly different idea and I'm so glad that he did. I, I'm just very grateful to, uh, to be able to do what I do. Well, I'm glad that uh, you made that shift as well. And I think so often, so many of us, you know, it's just so unexpected. It takes one little thing and it's mm-hmm. an idea. As we said, or as I said earlier, the, what you're doing today started as nothing more than an idea. Um, the World Without Orphans movement started it with did. Ukraine with, Without Orphans, right? And so how did that start? Ukraine Without Orphans, that, that's a pretty, uh, as Jim Collins has said, big, hairy, audacious goal. And, yeah, and then you say... Yeah, then when you say world without orphans, holy mackerel. So how did all of this kind of start? I would say it didn't come, again, it didn't come easy. And it, okay, let, let me just pick up where I left kind of is uh, previously. So again, I, I've discovered God's heart for the orphan. I realized that there is something there that that I, I really want to commit to. So again, I, I was I thought that I'm now on track. I was working with a Ukrainian NGO and we've, we've been doing a lot of things, both on the ground level, working with kids, uh, families, and then even a national policy level and so on. So, But then another Another kind of turning point came when a group of leaders uh, like myself began to meet and we were coming from different backgrounds. So there was a pastor, media person, businessman, governmental official. And what we had in common is this passion to see children in families and to see a church doing something more than we've been doing before. And there was no specific plan in place in the beginning. We would just meet, pray, share some ideas. 
And it was during a meeting like this when one of us, and surprisingly a governmental official uh, who, was, who is also a true Christian, and he prayed for Ukraine to become a nation without or- orphans. So it first sounded in prayer. And when we heard that prayer, we, there were maybe six or seven in the room, we all felt that there is something more going on here than just the prayer. It resonated in hearts, and again, not just as idea. I know there are different theological perspectives on Revelation and so on, so I want to be careful here, but it did seem to us that God was speaking to our hearts at that time and revealing us something that was audacious, but at the same time was precious, and, and so he was entrusting us almost with something. So so it changed the dynamic of those meetings because now suddenly from just the kind of more laid back, uh, let's just kind of meet and we suddenly realized that there is a mission that God might have brought us together. So we began to meet very frequently every two weeks and with pretty much all of us being in some kind of executive role. And again, praying and now we were figuring out what does this mean? What would a nation without orphans look like and what it would take to get there. And I'll just say right away that it it seemed, it all seemed to me very overwhelming at the time. And because by then, having spent probably close to 10 years in the field, uh, again, knowing quite a lot about this, I was one of the first people to say, you know, I can write a book why uh, why Ukraine cannot become a country without orphans. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I could almost see different chapters, you know, economical reasons. And and, the, and there was even special part in my mind reserved for like denominational and, you know, other reasons why it cannot happen. But instead of writing that book, somehow I found myself actually asked to facilitate or to lead this initiative and uh, which started a very new chapter uh, in my life and a life of many other people who are in but that was the beginning. So I think mm-hmm. beginning in prayer, just in a small group of committed people who just came with very open hearts and minds. Okay, let's see what can happen out of this. And, and so then, you know, just in a uh, ability to trust that, as you said, that that instead of taking the road of the naysayer, you mm-hmm. say, you know, with God, all things are possible. Right. So from that moment. What's happened since then? And, and can you give us a little context? When was that first prayer meeting? Uh, um, I think it was around 2009, early okay. 2009 or late 2008. So it took us uh, at least several months just to, uh, to, be, uh, to figure out some key elements. And uh, just very quickly, I can mention them. Like one of them was we had a very clear realization that the church has to be in the middle of this. You know, we represented different spheres. And, and of course, it's important to work with governments and so on. But there was a very clear fear and that if this vision is ever to come true, the church needs to be a spearhead in this. So it, it guided a lot of what we did both with Ukraine Without Orphans and are doing now with World Without Orphans. Then the collaboration piece or working together with, with a vision big like this, it almost comes without thinking that we have to get as many players in as possible on this, on the same page and working together and so on. So, and of of course the children need to be in families to just crystal clear message that it's not just about doing something for uh, orphans or for children. It's about doing what we can to uh, see them in, uh, in uh, good families and loving families. So that set things, uh, uh, that kind of set a stage for what we've started to do here in Ukraine. And, and again, with, uh, you, you already mentioned Chiang Mai. Back then, uh, I thought that now something started that would take rest of my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
because I, I, I knew that it's still, it's a big vision, and especially if you're serious about this, not just right. about a pain or, you know, some kind of uh, project, but if you truly want to do something that would have a lasting impact, it would take a long time. But again, at least in my, in my case and some other people, God had, it seems like God has some other plans. So quickly the idea or the vision began to spread. So while we were st- just started in Ukraine, there were some connections. So some uh, people in Russia caught it, then in Romania, in Belarus. So so before long, although we've just started in Ukraine uh, recently back then, we already see how people are catching this and want to do something about it. They taking ownership of this, and and but want to stay connected and learn from one another. So it gave us some hint that there might be something more than that. And then there were some certain events or uh, uh, things that actually uh, provided uh, opportunities to connect uh, with new countries, with new leaders. And then, it, I, like now, I'm feeling that it's kind of gotten completely out of control in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So I. I, I, on a regular basis, I keep hearing here's something like just last week, I just saw there was a conference in Kyrgyzstan in a certain area of Kyrgyzstan uh, on this. Then there was a, a forum in Burundi. Then so pretty much, of course, we know many things that are happening, but in many places, people are just taking, uh, uh, catching the vision, uh, trying to learn uh, key elements and then begin to do something. Yeah, and one of the key things that I've seen with the movement and something I've been so impressed with you is the ability to collaborate and the importance of collaboration is inherent in a movement like this, right? You could never do it yourself. And so how have you um, facilitated collaboration and been, you know, really a master collaborator in all of this? And not just you, but obviously the movement itself and the the leadership of it. You're not alone. And that's implied in the question. Yeah, I I appreciate this. But I I, again, it's uh, the essence of collaboration is a teamwork. And I think it really uh, a good starting point from pretty much everyone who enters is 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 humility and just think knowing that it's not about us. Mm-hmm. It's it takes more than just me or my organization to do this, and it's not just about uh, facilitating partnerships and kind of what would suit us best, you know, our organizations, our agendas, and so on. But it's it's I think it's a, a intentional willingness or desire to at some point even to set aside what what I need or what my organization needs and to focus on the bigger vision. And of course the best when it overlaps. Right. But but I think it's tested at the point when you need to make a decision what's more important for you. And and I it's something that that needs to be constantly learned. And I think that although there are some techniques and there are some approaches, but again I think yeah, I, like I said, it starts with uh, with humility, but it also starts with us realizing that it's God's work in a very real sense that, yes, we do have, we are different parts of the body. We have our role to play, but it's about his work. And he wants to do it this way. He wants us to work together. He was. He wants us to be united around common vision and, and, and set of values. So it's almost like, 
We have to do it. I know that that's one of the most difficult things, not just in orphan care, probably in, you know, in the Christian world or, or just in the world. But I think it's a prerequisite if you are to see uh, lasting changes. So and then we are learning. I, I don't want to uh, in any way to communicate that we've learned or we've reached there. We're just very committed to figuring out how to do it, how we can work together, right. keeping our identities. I'm not talking that like I want for, I'm, I am Ukraine. So this is part of my right. <laughs> my personality, and uh, and it's not like I need to stop one, but this is not something that need to influence my decisions or me, my ability to work with others in any major way. So I think it's much more important that I'm uh, I'm a God's child and, and 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 things like that. So so I think we are still in learning, and and we are blessed to learn from from other networks and other movements in in God's kingdom mm-hmm. that actually would provide it uh, world without orphans with great opportunities and I just want to mention a few like 414 window there is a great movement focusing general on children transform world Lausanne movement uh, so there are global children's forum it's it's amazing to see uh, these networks that God is raising around the world in his body that are uh, teach almost like helping each other to figure out how to work collaboratively yeah that's uh that collaboration is so near and dear to my heart. It's one of the reasons we're wanting to do this podcast. It's something that we want to connect people who may not otherwise know each other and to hear ideas and to hear ways that we can work together. And like you just mentioned, several other movements that are working together and in hand in hand. And the hope is that it's not something that it's a bunch of parallel things kind of working in silos, but that we can break down all those silos and say, okay, how can we actually do this together? And so kind of on that note, um, you know, you said that one of your biggest goals in life is to make sure that every child has a family. And that's really what's behind Ukraine Without Orphans yeah. and World Without Orphans. So how practically uh, is, you know, are you encouraging people or is the movement encouraging people to actually pursue that goal? Yes, and, and more. I think that... Uh a critical element of this, uh, and I think that's it, it's important to keep it in mind when we talk about collaboration, because collaboration is not is not a goal, it's not the goal, it's a means mm-hmm. to an end. Right. So, and I think uh, sometimes it's we, we we are experiencing difference because we just okay, let's just work together. I think it's very important to set a goal that is big enough that would help us to work together. So that's and it may not necessarily be articulated in the way we do, like world without orphans. But like you said, uh, the is very simple, every child in a loving and caring family. And when you dig into this, it's clear that it takes it takes a system or systems change for us to see that happen. Yes, a hugely important element of that change is actually families who are taking children or families who are keeping their children. I love, I think it's Saddleback uh, who uh, expressed it is that we need to help children remain in families, regain a family or uh, or be reunited with families. So I think it captures that, that core element. But reality is that much more needs to happen. We need to help uh, people change the way they think about this. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, that actually very small percentage of people need to go and do and adopt or even foster. Uh, 
Of course, there are more families that need to be strengthened to keep children together. But the message here is that everyone needs to be engaged in some way, at least in terms of being aware of this and being supportive of the change, uh, being an advocate for the change. So one of core messages we're trying to get across is that not everyone can adopt, but there is a role literally for every person, uh, especially in the body of Christ, but even beyond. And, and so helping to figure out ways how we can, we can get this message, uh, communicate this message, and then help people figure out their ways and, and find their kind of, that, that will be their contribution. So everyone can and can and should do something to see a world without orphans. I want to draw a parallel that might sound strange for some people and might sound a bit provocative. But one of the questions that impacted my thinking most uh, during the last maybe year or so was a question, what would have happened if the abolitionist movement people or leaders were asking a question, how we can help slaves live a better life Hmm. versus how we can end slavery? And the more I thought about that question, the more it struck me the implications of that question that would send the whole movement on a completely different track. And by the way, question or the question how we can help slaves live a better life is a good one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a noble one. It's, oddly enough, it's actually a biblical one too, because mm-hmm. if you look at the Bible, it does talk a lot about treating slaves well and so on. But the heart of the Bible, the heart of God's word is ending slavery, is not helping slaves. That's what God did to us. He adopted us, not just made his slaves. So you probably already see where I'm going with this. Yeah. So one big change that I hope to see, and I think it's shared in, within our team, is so that people will switch from thinking. First, they'll start thinking about orphans and children who need help. That's also, I'm not taking this as granted. But when they, or when they think about this, that they will be thinking how we can really change the situation, not just improve the status quo. Or is where, so instead of thinking how we can help orphans have you know, better education, better living conditions, better health care, which are all kind of good things, right. we will all uh, put our energy into what we can do to make sure that every, there is no reason for a child to be considered an orphan in, in whatever way. And I know that some countries almost like got to the point when they are, don't want to use the word orphan. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I, I think that's, that's great. But unfortunately, we cannot get rid of the problem just because we don't mention it. Right, right. <laughs> so we actually have to do something about it. So anyway, so this is kind of, that's, that's the big idea or, uh, that, that I think behind what we are trying to do is getting to the root of the problem and, and, and trying to catalyze a lasting change in lives of uh, families and children. Yeah, so everything, you know, you kind of have the end in mind when you're doing every piece of work to get there so that you don't have the wrong destination because obviously that will change how you do everything towards there. Yeah. Yeah, And we have a natural tendency to kind of Okay, let's just do what what what's good now. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just let's just and and again, it's it's a complex issue. I don't want to sound like I know a quick solution to this. Right. So uh, there is, it's a complex issue that requires complex approach. But I think it's very important to have a clear idea what is the end result. Like, where are we going with all this? And it's like you know, if you're climbing Mount Everest, there is certain things we cannot avoid. If you're just kind of walking uphill anywhere, and we don't really care where we end up. So that's fine too, but we will never get to Everest that way (laughs) or or to any serious summit for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
So with that in mind, I mean, knowing what you know, knowing where we want to get, which is to have really a change of generational mindset, change of paradigm, whatever you want to call it, um, to really see it as getting children into families, permanent families versus just making lives better. Right. Which, again, is a very subjective, you know, success measure. How do you even measure that? Right. Um, But what would you say two of the biggest issues um, or one, if if we want to just focus on one (laughs) of the biggest issue orphan care is facing today and how can we address it? You know, I it's I wish there was just one. I can I can easily come up with like ten. <laughs> right, right. Just pick one and go for it because I think that will give us an insight into how to do the rest of them too. <laughs> you know, I I would I would again I I would still think that it's getting into hearts and minds of people with the right message mm-hmm. and kind of setting them on the right, getting people to ask the right questions that would bring them eventually to right to to, to right solutions. And again, it's, I know it sounds uh, simplistic or too general, but I believe that there are many people, especially in the body of Christ, that truly want to make a difference. They want, they want to do something significant. They want to, and it's not, and it's not always the bad, okay, this is just a clear cut answer, packaged answer for you. And all of, again, there are great programs and Uh they're needed and great models, but I think is getting people, even especially those who are unrelated to orphan care. And I know why I'm speaking like this, there are dozens of voices in my head, but you know about this problem and this mm-hmm. problem. So I, I mean, again, I spend enough time in this to know a lot of very specific problems that we are dealing. But I think in order to see, a, again, a large scale change, we need to get not, of course, we are starting with a committed core, which there are a lot of, there are a lot of people like you and me who are very committed to this and still minority, but that's how it works. But then for this to get to the tipping point, this has to spread from a committed core to uh, in, into kind of mainstream. And, and people, so, so one of the most joyful moments for me now is when people that have no relation to orphan care or to our field, they begin to ask this question. I could see how this is happening in their eyes. You know, oh, there is something I didn't notice. Oh, that's what the Bible talk, talks about. Oh, it's not about orphanages. So I see this kind of lights go on. And then, and then there are a lot of people that it sets them on action. You know, there might be a journalist, there might be a pastor, there might be a, again, it's not that, I think the kind of change that I've experienced that I actually moved into this work full time, I think that that would be rare. I mean, I don't think that has, that has to happen. But pe- people figuring out what the, what contribution they can do to see this uh, vision realized in their community or in their church or in their nation, I think that's that's an issue. I know it sounds different, and I'll actually mention some other issues, but I think that's that's the key to to, yeah. to see it's getting getting enough people concerned to the point that they are ready to take action and to do things that some may consider strange and popular or, or so on, I think that might be a game changer yeah. on, the, on, on this. And, and of course, there are some, uh, just to, to bring it down to you, specific, for example, is certainly a, a very major issue in all this are, is children with special needs and older children. Mm. Because it's, uh, it's still when people talk about adoption or, or things like that, they, uh, they picture, you know, babies or healthy babies and so on. But the reality is that 80, maybe 90% of children who actually need new families 
And again, I want to say that not most of kids, they don't need new families. They need support in whatever situation they're in. But out of those who actually need them, vast, vast majority is children like that. It's older children, especially. So I think that was one of the biggest challenges that both this global, emerging global orphan care moment will need to deal with. And again, there will be temptation to go for a for basically to raise the bar, you know, okay, let's maybe not think about families, let's put them in group homes, or let's figure out other like institutional ways of caring. And again, there is a place for institutional care, but I would be cautious in a long term of lowering this standard and almost like making decision, you know, we want every child to be in the family, but we don't think that it's possible for this specific children, you know, for this group of children. And I've seen enough now that as testimonies that to support that this is not just a crazy idea, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's, and I think you know these families, I know these families that somehow responding to God's calling, they become uh, very sacrificially often uh, parents for children that no one ever thought would have any kind of family in their life. Absolutely. Now, and that's, um, these big picture things are so critical. And that's one of the things that I saw at the World Without Orphans Conference that was so impressive and so encouraging and inspiring to me was to see 68, I believe, countries Mm -hmm. come together for a few days together in a country that most of us were not from to learn about each other, right? Because this is something that in every culture, there's different issues. In every, um, you know, language that we're speaking, in every tribe, tongue, nation, there's different issues, but there's also a core that's the same, right? So how do we find that common ground and then move from there to how can we help each other, encourage each other to not only believe these things, which are our big, huge things that will only happen with God, but how Mm -hmm. can we help each other on the specifics as well, right? Is that kind of getting out there? Yeah, exactly. And and what I've learned traveling to quite a few countries over the last uh, four, uh, three or four years is that there are people that share almost, they may not articulate it right away or maybe not even aware of all of the pieces, but they share this passion, they share, share these core values. So they're already there. There are many great programs and initiatives or local churches doing this work. So so a big part of, of what we are hoping to see is these leaders or these people connecting with each other, you know, learning from each other, strengthening each other, and then turning outward and engaging more and more other people like I've shared earlier so that it, it gets to the point of critical mass. And another reason why I think it would be important to see that happen is because it's impacting not just the not just children and families and not just field of orphan care. Uh, what we've seen in Ukraine and now are seen in other places that this issue often uh, works as a trigger to much bigger to to much broader issues. I wouldn't say bigger, but broader. For example, I'll give one example. When a country or or a community or church really gets into this, they begin to ask questions. They begin to do something. One thing that they clearly realize that it's about families, obviously, then, so what's happening with our families? So so suddenly from a very kind of narrow 
issue of how we can care for orphans, it becomes a much wider issue. What's happening in, in families, in my family, you know, how are we parenting our kids? And, you know, if we are to help a child that has been through a lot, I mean, how we are equipped to do this? And then some realize, you know, we're not really in equipped to, to, to raise our own kids well. Mm. So, so, and there are other, this is just one example of how a serious response to, to this specific issue triggers much broader uh, impact or conversation at least that can potentially lead to, to, to changes. And I think it's it's one of the ways how God refocuses us on what's truly important. That's because I remember ask, almost like asking God in the early days of Ukraine without orphans and it literally went like this. God, why do we need to make such a big deal out of this? I was literally, I mean, in my private time, just asking God, like, why we cannot just continue quietly do our work, you know, and or not so quietly in certain specific, but why there has to be a movement, why we have to talk with all these churches, with all these people who who seem not to care at all about this at first. Right. And, and then I realized, yes, immediate need is, uh, is children without families and responding to that. But a bigger need, I think God, God senses much more acutely than we do is what's happening with us, with, with churches, with our families, with our children, and it's connected. I think I've seen, for me personally, it means that I'm learning, I've learned and I'm learning how to be a father, how to be a husband uh, from this. Hmm. Uh, I'm blessed, my wife and I are blessed to have five kids, five boys, and, and uh, I've learned a lot from yeah. what I do. <laughs> still oh yeah every day every day we're learning um well as we finish up i got a couple questions for you just that i know i'm curious to hear your answer i know i'm sure the everyone listening in is as well but what have you read or listened to in the past few months that is that has most impacted your thinking on the issues surrounding orphan care and the work where you're doing now, oddly enough, it's things probably they're not directly related to, uh, mm-hmm. to uh, so it's not books on orphan care, but just a couple of things. One is, uh, one is the book called Sifted. Uh, that uh, is that is actually co-authored by I think it's Wayne Cordero and Francis Chan and another pastor, and it's book it's a book more sp- specifically focused on pastors, church pastors, but I found it very refreshing and very helpful for any kind of for person that is in any kind of ministry in in the body of Christ, because again, like I said earlier. Yes, it's about what God can do through us for children, but it's also about what God does in us. So simply say, I think it helps us to understand what it means to be adopted into God's uh, God's family. Mm -hmm. And I think we need that in order to serve well, uh, to serve children well, to serve families well, to serve other people well. So like a good friend of mine says, orphans cannot help orphans. You need to have sons and daughters helping orphans to become mm-hmm. sons and daughters. So that book was uh, was very helpful. Another book that I'm actually reading right now is called Can You Drink the Cup? And I think it's, it's written by a Catholic priest. Mm. And I never thought that you can get so much out of this simple idea of Jesus offering a communion to disciples. And, and, and one specific thought that I mentioned that impacted my life, my, my thinking is because, and you know this well too, in this field, you all, we often come across of so, so, 
such sadness, such tragedy, such much, so desperation. Like I tell people that I know so many stories I wish I would have never known or I would have never heard. And even that makes you almost like feel desperate. You know, you just, why even talking about world without orphans? It's like one, I mean, there is mm-hmm. one tragic situation after another and it doesn't seem to be uh, any hope. But, but and that's reality of life. But there is another reality of life that is celebration, that is joy, that even in the middle of this suffering, in the middle of this sadness, there is there are more and more glimpses of, of God working in this. And, and I think that that's, that's why it resonates so much for me with what we were just discussing, because the road to world without orphans is not a joyful ride. There are going to be all kinds of difficult things, but it will be it will be mixed with incredible joy. And that comes in ways like we saw at the forum in Chiang Mai. It was incredible joy mm-hmm. to see so many people come from around the world around this uh, around this issue. And there will be many joys when we'll see a child in a, in a family or family being so blessed by doing this. So I think that's what I want us to keep in mind. That yes, it's a cup of suffering and there is no way to avoid it. But it's also a cup of joy, not just when we get there, so, but as we are getting there. Absolutely. The last question, I mean, we could talk for hours and hours, I'm <laughs> sure, but uh, we, we do have a, a time frame on this. So I'm just going to ask you one more question here. Um, what one person has most impacted your thinking on how to best love and care for orphan and vulnerable children? Uh-huh. That's, again, it's, there are like a host of names that pops up in my head, and I always, uh, I'm always afraid that I, I might not do justice <laughs> when I mention it, like specific. But you know, one one person that clearly comes to my mind, her name is Judy Rikus. She actually lives in the states, and she's she's a she's a great expert in this. And I think in terms of understanding really getting to kind of to the heart of the issue, understanding how systems work and just getting a comprehensive perspective on this. I think that's one of people, again, I, yeah. I, as I said, it would be hard to single out someone. I've been blessed by having a number of people who've been mentoring me and, and just helping me and so on. But Judy Reich is certainly one of people that, yeah. that readily comes to my mind and I'm so grateful. She's, she was, a, it was great to be, one of the reasons to, uh, that I so enjoyed being at the front. There were many of those people there that I've learned from and um, uh, and so, so again, I just, uh, I would, although I spent quite a few years, I'm constantly learning. So I think yeah. that's another point of collaborating, connecting. We always, there is always something to learn. <laughs> Absolutely. No, and, and I know I learned a lot with this and I thank you for your time and I thank you for sharing your insights with myself and so many others. And thanks for all the work that you're doing with World Without Orphans and, and um, so many other things uh, in your life. Thank you very much, Phil, and just, um, just I would welcome everyone to join in, not specific platform, but what God does around the world to see every child in a loving, caring family. Well, I think that he delivered on my guarantee to inspire. What do you think about that, Kelly? Absolutely. I love that he heard from the Lord. And just this small idea, he was not afraid to dream big. And he wasn't afraid to just think outside the norm. Um, But then he started small. And I think that is that is something that we can all do in the area of orphan care. I think it's it's 
you know, giving ourselves permission to dream of a world without orphans and then stepping back and saying, but what's my part in that? And then allowing God to open those doors, to direct us, to um, to just say yes to the next step and then just see what comes from it. Yeah. And it was such an amazing thing to sit in a room in Chiang Mai, Thailand, as we talked a little bit about in the in the interview with people from 68 different countries. And it was just this, we worshiped together. At one point at the end, we stood up and we prayed. Basically they had the flag show up on the screen and everybody around the room laid hands on anyone from that uh, country and just prayed for them in their country. It was just this amazing moment of the stuff we're talking about on this show of collaboration and truly working together and seeing it as a team and knowing that no one of us can do everything. We can't even do a little bit when you're talking about this massive thing, but together we can do amazing things. And that's what Ruslan um, really embodies. And the really amazing thing to me, and it's a really cool thing to me, is he's not this boisterous, super uber charismatic personality that you're just going to be drawn into and say, oh my gosh, I mean, he's an amazing man who you're drawn to for his humility and for his ability to just um, engage you in a real vision that works and can work. So that's what was really amazing to me to see that lived out at this, this forum in Thailand that wasn't just a conference where it was like, come and listen. It was no engage together, talk together. Let's figure out together how we can do this stuff. We're definitely going to have on our show notes just a connection to or a link to the resources from the World Without Orphans uh, conference that Phil's talking about. And you can view some of the videos, hear from some of the speakers. And so that's going to be in our show notes that you can find at thinkorphan.com. Also connect with us on our Facebook page. I would love to hear some of your dreams. If you had no limits, no um, thing that that would stop you, what would be the thing that you would dream for in the area of orphan care? We hope you enjoyed this episode. Next next episode, we're going to have Craig Greenfield talking about mentoring. So we look forward to joining you next week. Well, whether that was the first time you heard that interview or you've heard it over and over again, I just hope that you continually are learning more and more from Ruslan's words, but also from other sources, how you can continually be loving orphaned and vulnerable children better and better every day. So until next week, I just hope that you have some great time with your family and friends. And if you're in the U.S., have a happy Thanksgiving. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. For all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan.